Welcome to the next episode of Sick Fish, Zuko Hearts Made Other True Facts, the official podcast of Flaming Knives. I'm Rolls. I'm Ali Walgus. I'm Plant Guy. And I'm Shizuma. And this week we are going to be talking about the Painted Lady, Sokka's master, and Sokka, everybody's favorite meat and sarcasm guy. Everybody's favorite guy, period. <laughs> Everyone's well, favorite pimp? No? Yeah. Yes? No? Yes. Yeah. The Painted Lady, I just really, really loved this episode. Really? Uh, I think, yeah, really? I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> no, I, th- I, th- is- I thought it was very flawed. It was like the worst episode ever. So. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Rawls and Allie think that season three would be better without it because it well, would have left I more time have- for explication at the beginning. Well, I, I just thought that it was like a good filler episode, you know? I'm with I- you. I'm with you, Plan Guy. You and me. Okay. okay. All right, to defend myself on this, yes, I may have said at certain points, may have indicated that season three would be superior absent the pain and lead. I may have said that. In fact, I definitely said that. I may have said it more than ever. But but my reasoning for this is not because I hate the pain and lead. It's mm-hmm. just that there was so much going on mm-hmm. that it was just crazy and in the awakening. And so then we have the painted lady and there's kind of nothing much really happening and not terribly super relevant to anything. And I'm like, man, so we could have had another episode to put some more stuff in and deal with that. Well, and- well, I think that it might be relevant in that it's further evidence of the non-evilness of the Fire Nation. Which I, I guess maybe... Oh, <laughs> the headband kind of did that. Right. What makes well, it I mean, interesting... Oh. Is what's going on in the background, but I feel like I wish that that background had been in the background of a different episode. I, I mean, I have many things to say that I'm sure I will say about things in the Painted Lady that I found really interesting, but none of it has anything to do with the A plot. You know, <laughs> the A plot I have very little to say about. The B plot is what I care about, and I feel like I wish that B plot had had a different A plot, perhaps one that involved characters that were neglected in that episode, whose names I feel I don't have to say. <laughs> Yeah, but moving away from my picking on the painted lady. Yeah, so Michael, why don't you say what you liked about? Yes. Yes. Okay, uh, jet skis and the spirit world. Uh, the steampunk, <laughs> yes. You're all about the steampunk, right? Yes, I guess I am all about the steampunk. I Well, I like the jet skis, even though uh, there's something about them that just kind of bugs me in that I feel like there's no way that you could get a steam engine in order to make that much power in that compact of a, a vehicle, but I just accept fantasy physics. But anyway, mm-hmm. I still think that they're really interesting and cool. And also, I really like the fact that it seems that a lot of the home guard of the Fire Nation is composed of ladies, which is interesting. Well, I feel like in the Fire Nation, there are so few firebenders. I mean, for one thing, I feel that there's so few firebenders that when you are a firebender, you are in the army, period, which I think explains why you have all these women soldiers, which you don't have in any of the other nations. And I think that because you already have this established precedent of lady soldiers, that therefore the fact that all of the men are at war, I'm sure means that a lot of, yeah, a lot of the domestic military is is women for that reason. But I'm sure that initially the reason there were women in the military is because there are so few firebenders. I have like a whole bunch of lists. When I watched the episode, I just kind of wrote down things that I thought that was cool. And now mm-hmm. just reading it, just it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's just a little, little like a moment, like off the hook. I thought that was yes. Thank you. That was one of the things I was going to bring up because usually, like, I love the Avatar humor, but sometimes when they try and go for, like, more modern references in it, it kind of, like, breaks the mood and it's really awkward. No, and... I love that moment because it was really? such a lame joke. I think that was the humor <laughs> of the situation. And everybody else yeah. is just kind of like, oh my god, no. Yeah, Avatar can get a little anachronistic at times. Yeah. It usually refrains from anything really gratuitous, though. Mm. That was probably, like, my least favorite moment of the episode, actually. <laughs> Osaka. I still kind of liked it, though. I mean, but well, as far 
far as favorite moments go, down on the bottom of my list. Well, um, that's the, one of my favorite things about one of my things that I really liked about the Painted Lady that is actually part of the text of the show is, I mean, well, for one thing, we have the first mention of the whole eight minute eclipse thing. Yeah, which yes, is, is a relief to all the astronomers who. <laughs> Being like, sit know around. that the eclipse doesn't last that long, right, guys? <laughs> sit around and talk about how, how are they going to do a whole invasion and eclipse? It doesn't yeah. last that long. Yeah, right. So they got that out of the way. Ha, ha, ha. We know. And also the first referring to them as colonials, which I love. Yeah. Which became a thing, <laughs> but I think that's the first time that they do that. As much as I really hate that guy. <laughs> oh, the him. split personality guy. Oh, my oh, God. God. Like, I hate hated that guy. All I wanted to do was have Sokka, like, smack him with a fish. Like, that's I hated him so much. I wanted him to walk off the edge of the dock. And Sokka was totally cool with him. And he was like, Sokka seemed the most cool with him of everyone, which is weird because Sokka's usually, like, trying to call people on their bullshit, like, in the fortune teller. But Sokka's just like, hey, Shu, what's going on? And (laughs) I usually really love crazy old guys, like, you know, Boomy, fine. But this guy was just irritating. (laughs) Because if he had turned out to be secretly badass, like, Mm -hmm. in the episode... He had suddenly, like, you know, single-handedly wrecked some Fire Nation ass. That would have been fine. But no, he was just irritating. <laughs> I think that Sokka kind of realized, like, the genre that he's in. You know, it kind of, like, accepts the situation <laughs> that he's in to be, like, kind of like an RPG or something. So he accepts that this is the old guy that's Mr. Exposition that they have to interact with him to get the quests and experience. He's just, he's just cool with it. He's like, this is the, this is the convention. Of yes, this is crazy old man gives you information. Yeah, hey, crazy mm-hmm. plot device character. Yeah. I, I feel kind of bad, though, you guys, because we're kind of lackluster about the painted lady, I have to say. Well, I mean, I have things to say about the painted lady. Okay, you say some things about the painted lady. Okay, so for one thing, I mean, there is a lot of really interesting meta stuff about the painted lady and a lot of really interesting background stuff about the painted lady. I mean, in terms of stuff that's going on in the background, you have all of these implications about exactly how incredibly messed up the fire nation has become like domestically because of this war like that whole, i mean for like the whole like first time like on, on the basic level you have the whole like the factory is sucking the life out of this town and that then stands in for like the larger problem of the war is sucking the life out of this country like it is bleeding it dry i mean we never see any teenage guys Sokka's age, except when, like, in the beach, we see some, like, rich mm-hmm. kids, like, hanging around. But other than that... And a couple like, in the headband. Yeah, but, like, for the most mm-hmm. part, like, anybody who's older than Aang, like, they're not there anymore. They're all at war. We'll send mm-hmm. you to reform school. And by reform school, we mean the coal mines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, I mean, so just further evidence of just how ridiculously horrible this war has been in terms of the way that it impacts, like, the life of, like, your normal person, which we don't get to see a lot of because it isn't really part of, like, the immediate plot. But so that's interesting. And, like, the fact that, like, this town is basically dying because all of the resources are going to the war machine. Okay, that's fine. That's interesting. Even if the way they handled it was not interesting. The thing itself is interesting. (laughs) It's not quite a good story, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. there's that. And then there's a the whole Katara's ridiculous idealization and how that sort of fits into this being kind of like a first season episode in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's an evil. There was a wrong that must be righted. We have to come into this town and fix their problems. Like, it's very much kind of like, what is it, imp- Imprisoned? Why do I always forget what that episode is called? Yeah, that's what it's called. I think it's called Imprisoned. That is yeah, it, it's and- very much like Imprisoned <laughs> all over again. Like, Katara shows up, Katara sees a wrong, Katara decides to write that wrong. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's fine, but then what's interesting is that on top of that, you have all of this first season plot stuff, but then you have the weight of third season politics and, like, urgency. Yeah. And- 
notifications kind of weighing down on it in a way that's kind of interesting. Like, you have all of this baggage that you didn't have in the first season. Yeah, I was just about to say, when you mentioned that it was kind of like a first season episode with Katara and, you know, they're wrong, they must be right in, is that Sokka is kind of, and this reminds me of what was just said about Sokka, like, being aware of the conventions of the genre that he's in, and he's just kind Mm -hmm. of like, yeah, we don't have time for this. What are you doing? We don't have time to run around (laughs) randomly writing wrongs right now. Mm-hmm. He realizes that there's more experience reward for confronting the, the <laughs> Dark Lord than for solving a side <laughs> Yeah, Sucka is unconcerned for the plight of random villages. He is quite unconcerned. And, you know, mm-hmm. I like that Katara is consistent mm-hmm. in the way that she is, that she's just so self-righteous and just so idealistic at all times forever. And I like mm-hmm. that she's consistent, but yeah, again, I just, a whole episode, we already know that. I think yeah. you just sort of have to accept that it as a flaw of her character, that she's never, ever not going to be idealistic in trying to save the world. Yeah. Right, she's never going to put the big picture above the needs of, you know, a few random people who need her help. Yeah, although in this episode, we start to get into her, like, she's also kind of crazy. Yeah. Vigilante justice, God. Yeah, I mean, seriously, she's like a fucking mm-hmm. terrorist. <laughs> You know, I mean, we call her a revolutionary because she's on the side of right. But no, really, she's a terrorist. She's blowing up factories. Yeah, she blew mm-hmm. up factory and yeah, she's mm-hmm. like an environmental terrorist, basically. Yeah. She's like, she's like, I mean, like, seriously. And like, I feel like this is the first time we really see that kind of vaguely sort of crazy, scary part of Katara that we will later see come out in force when she's threatening mm-hmm. to kill Zuko. Yeah. Is it that Aang seems to not have a problem with this at all? or yeah, is that? I love that. Okay. Like, we used to joke about this. like, wow, Kara, you're kind of hot when you're scared. Yeah, you're hot when you're, yes. when you're crazy. But yeah, we used to joke about this all the time, about how, like, Aang Katara are kind of like juvenile delinquents. And they're, like, really into that, you know. And it's like, mm-hmm. we'll go way back to, like, the waterbending scroll where Katara mm-hmm. you know, is a thief, a klepto. <laughs> And Aang is like, yeah, that's us. But it was pirates, it's yeah. fine. It was, well, yeah, it was from pirates. Right. It's I okay guess. to steal from pirates. It's okay to steal from pirates, and you know. Katara can always justify herself, come but, on. But was it okay? Okay, how about, was it okay to steal from clothes and the headband? From that dude's, like, just some random guy. Aang <laughs> <laughs> was the only one who, like, kind of, like, was, ex- like, was like, maybe this is wrong, guys. And Katara's yeah. like, oh, I want this dress! Yeah, we know you do, Katara. Klepto. <laughs> you know, they didn't. I don't see how she justified that one, but yeah. See, yeah, they both really. Yeah, it's on sometimes. Jeez. It's a slippery slope, you guys. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. all, you're stealing from pirates and you're stealing from innocent people, then you're blowing up factories. Environmental mm-hmm. terrorists. You know? But yeah, I like that part of the, the painted lady. That's probably my favorite mm-hmm. part of the painted lady. Katara is crazy terrorist. Katara is a crazy terrorist, and Aang is like. Or is Aang puts it secret <laughs> hero? A secret hero? <laughs> And then, you know, I, and, what I don't get is why she felt the need to actually dress up as the painted lady. She like, does she want to be Batman? She's secretly, she's secretly a cosplayer. <laughs> she has she like a cosplay hot. fetish. Yeah, all this like dressing up in Fire Nation outfits like went to her head, and then she's like, I'm mm-hmm. going to go be over the top and also paint she, my face. Yeah. She's the girl with the passion for fashion. I don't know. <laughs> she just long envied sock before paint and wanted to have some of her she own. I don't know. Yeah, some of that action herself. She but, got caught up in like all the painted lady worship with the villagers, and she was. Had a little bit of a weird thing for the spirit lady. Katara's got, got a little bit of jet inside of her sometimes, you know, like yeah. jet like the like the center, like the hero, the center of attention. I think Katara right. has a bit of that too. Right. Yeah. It's not okay for him to blow up a dam, but it's okay for her to blow up a factory. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, there weren't any innocent villagers in that factory. You never know. Just innocent contractors. What, there weren't any watch guards on duty, no, when all those explosions were going off? Although, you know, like, all the stuff about Katara and her secret outfit and vigilanteing and all this crazy shit. Okay, so this will seem indirect, but I swear to God, I have a point. Okay. So when I was sitting watching a billion fucking fan vids getting ready for this near Comic-Con panel, in the process, I watched this one Katara fan vid that was basically like, Katara is badass, which, you know, is fine. But, like, half of this vid was from the Painted Lady. Like, they clearly saw the Painted Lady, were overwhelmed with Katara love, and then immediately made this vid. And, like, that's fine. But the thing that really got me as I was watching this thing was it was clearly coming from a place of this person really loves Katara. And then they saw the Painted Lady and they were like, oh my god! Oh my god, Katara is awesome! She's, like, jet skiing across the water with water bending. This is, like, the coolest thing ever! And, like, we're overwhelmed <laughs> with how awesome and badass she was. And I hadn't felt that way at all until I went, maybe when I watched this video, I started to kind of see, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, Katara was pretty cool in that episode, but you know, the thing is, I don't actually like Katara that much. Like, <gasps> I like her fine. Like, I like her because she's a character on the show that I dearly love, and I have some affection for her, but if you made me name my top five characters, she would not be in my top five characters. She might not even be in my top ten characters. That like, is so, really. so weird. Really, and I feel like if I loved Katara, I would have had a very, very different opinion of this episode. And I think that part of the reason fandom doesn't really care about this episode so much it's because Zuko was not in it, and right. Aang and everybody else are very much playing second fiddle to Katara, and Sokka's being a jerk. And, right. And Toph is completely, like, whatever. Like, Toph barely does anything at all. She, like, makes one joke that people laugh at, and the rest of the time she's just like, you guys are losers, and, like, not really paying any attention. She has, she has a couple of other cool things, but yeah, not but she's enough. Really she's always player. shorted on lines, though. They never give her enough awesome things to say. Yeah. But I mean, so I think that one of the reasons that people don't like this episode is because people don't like Katara. Mm. And this was like a Katara showcase that she really hadn't had. She hasn't had an episode like that otherwise this season. I feel like... The only episode. I get what you're saying. I, I'm feeling sort of like, I don't necessarily totally buy that because... <laughs> because, okay, this just wasn't that good an episode. Whereas mm. the Puppet Master... Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that, the Puppet that was Master. It, yeah. That's true. That's also Master is an excellent episode. And that's also mm-hmm. totally about Katara. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, that is Katara times right there. And I love that episode. <laughs> and I actually feel the same way as you in that I love Katara a lot more this season than I have previously. But Katara has for me also kind of been sort of low on like when I'm listing my favorite characters and, you know, people who I'm really, really interested in. Katara has always been kind of low on that for me, too. And it also, of course, goes back to how I talked about, you know, last time, how Aang was my end for the show. Normally, it would be the singular girl main character. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I I don't know. I, I think I will save, like, what it is with me and Katara for the episode when we talk about Katara. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, they have a whole thing about it. <laughs> I have a whole thing about it. Well, I have a whole thing about most of yeah. <laughs> I noticed that about you, Rolf. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know that it was necessarily that it was about Katara. I'm not prepared to say that that was a huge determining factor in the reaction oh, to this episode. But I think I would have liked it despite it being bad if I liked Katara more than I do. Oh, well, yeah, probably. Probably. I, yeah. I think it was a badly constructed episode, but I like many things that are not necessarily very well constructed. True. Because I love mm-hmm. that character because it has something about it that I really like. Like, I would mm-hmm. like The Great Divide a lot more if it weren't completely focusing on people I don't care about. <laughs> but, yeah. I can get down with the idea that, you know, people would have liked it better if people cared a lot more about Katara than most people seem to, but I don't think it necessarily fell in people's estimation no. because I think that just Katara. prevented it from pulling itself up by its bootstraps. I think it fell because it wasn't that great. But, you know, I really enjoyed the Aang Katara and Aang thing. Mm. Like, yes, Aang. I was just about to say there was a lot of, of like, Remind me stuff. of somebody I know. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I did like that. I liked it. Yeah, it was cool. The, it's it's really good. I like that they had the actual painted lady come in in the end, which gives me some hope that maybe that this episode will elevate in the long run in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, those people know she's a waterbender. They might come into play. I mean, you can never tell with, with the Avastaff. They have such a love for bringing random yeah, things back, yeah, you know? Yeah. This might prove to be a really, really relevant episode towards the end. You never know. So oh, that would be great. Yeah, I would feel a lot less irritated if, yeah. in, like, if in the Spirit World episode, it turns out that the Painted Lady has some giant like bitch fight with Ko or something. Yeah, I would be so. I would be so into that. Yeah, yeah, that. This seems unlikely. Speaking so, of spirit magic, <laughs> I just, I just have to say. Aang, like, it's so weird because this is a Sokka episode, and Sokka is usually, like, the center of the, the comic relief in episodes. But because he was busy being at odds with Katara in this episode, and it was all about them conflicting and then coming together and stuff, Aang really, like, he upped the cuteness factor, oh. I gotta say. <laughs> like, this his little spirit magic line, and you're, like, a little hill with horns. And I love that he's, like, in the polluted river with Momo, and he's swimming around in it for God knows how long. And then he jumps out and he's like, guys... I think this river might be polluted. <laughs> and it was like, really? You didn't know this before? You're swimming around and all the gunk is like congealing in your new hair. And like, you didn't realize it might be polluted. He just didn't want to get out and stop playing. He, he didn't want he to didn't stop being, being, he was done playing. He didn't want to stop oh. being naked because, you know, Aang is a new <laughs> detective. So. To this be fair, Sokka is the detective. Sokka is detective of the group. Yeah. <laughs> and the bearded guy. He's Wang Fire and the detective. And Aang is the naked yes. guy. <laughs> okay, guys. And his little, like, I think the thing I laughed most out of this episode is when they're walking back from the factory and he's like, ha, pew. And it yeah, was so good. random, but I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> like, whenever I watch it, I still rewind that part like four times because it's so adorable. It just hilaritizes me to no end. No one knows. Was, no one knows. No. <laughs> but I, I think that we might be done complaining about the painted lady, though. Mm-hmm. I feel that perhaps. Well, I like it. Some, well, I'm very glad that you liked it, Michael, because it makes me feel better about not liking it. If I look at the it small parts, if I pick it apart and I look at parts that I liked, I like it. But it, when I go back and watch it and I look at it as a whole, I'm like, I remember it being better than this. But yeah, some good stuff in it. Not the best. Yeah. Sigh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is too bad because it was written by Josh Hamilton and I actually really like Josh Hamilton, so I don't know what that was all about. Mm-hmm. Often. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but yes. how about an episode that I liked a lot better? Sokka oh, man. Master. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Also like known the- for a really long time is the episode where Sokka gets awesome. Yeah. I would contest oh, that Sokka was awesome. I contest that. I'm right I contest you. that. We will get back to that. I contest that. I'm right with you because I think he was already pretty damn awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. We shall return to talking about Sokka and his yeah. awesomeness or lack thereof. Uh, there is no lack thereof. I know. So, <laughs> Can, can we start? Yes. Can we start this episode discussion with Buffyro, please? <laughs> can we please talk about Buffyro? <laughs> because I mean, that was that was like a sneak attack for me. Like when he disrobes, yes. and I'm like, what the fuck? And you see, you see him working out through the whole episode, and it's like, oh shit, he's he's doing upside down like handstand push-ups, and he's doing he's hanging upside down and doing curl-ups. It's like you're it's thinking, like, how wow. is he carrying all that weight around? Jeez. Right. And then, but yeah. then, but then he disrobes, and you see it. And even though you see him working out through the whole episode, it like didn't sink in yet. And I think I actually screamed out loud, like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> it's it's surprising. I like, I knew that he was like getting like badass montages, you know? So right. We're, we're, we're montage basically we're accepting the fact that uh obviously iroh is going to become super awesome but i never expected like his look to change that much right exactly his character design yeah he became like some kind of weird tolkien badass dwarf yeah (laughs) (laughs) with the beard and everything it's awesome 
But like, it's like the Return to his former glory as a general, I I guess. And we're going to hopefully see that pay off soon, please. I hope. Although I have to say it was really upsetting the first half of that episode when he was, even though you knew he was pretending. Yes. Watching him behave in that way really, really, really upset me. Like, it was difficult for me to watch. I really love what Steve Akusu said on the commentary about the way he was acting, about the art of war and Mm -hmm. how acting like you're below contempt is like a really great strategy if you want to stay below people's radar and wait and then attack at the perfect moment. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool that that that's what he was doing. Well, because Ira wasn't concerned with his own dignity. Right. He's He's not. He's never been prideful. No, Mm -hmm. No. He's always been very, he's always been about the humility and stuff and... So basically, I love Iroh, and I hope he comes back soon. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. It's been like this horrible dry spell of Iroh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm quiet here, guys, because you reminded me of buff Iroh, which I cannot deal with at all. Because... You can't. <laughs> you, you need to get used to it, because we're probably going to be seeing a lot of it in yeah. the finale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be, uh, is it a do not want for you, Rolf? It's like this. I can't even describe what it is. <laughs> Just, Hopefully I, he wears like you know like robes or something to kind of like oh draw your attention yeah. away from it. it. Yeah, it, he's going to be in armor and it's going to be hot and I'm going to be very very upset. I think it confuses <laughs> me because it's such it's this bizarre cognitive disconnect. I think that's what it is about it, and, mm-hmm. and it's like Iroh and he's Iroh, and then there's his head, and then there's his body, and I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and he's yeah. eating bread. Where's and Santa Iroh? Yeah, Santa Iroh. I mean, you know what I love. Is that when I can't wait for Zuko to see him again because Zuko's jaw is gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he'll keep wearing around the the thing in his stomach for a while, and then it will be. It, he'll wait till he takes his clothes off, and then Zuko will freak out. No, what I want to see happen is like Zuko to see him and be like shocked and like you know like Iroh for like a second to look all badass, but then he kind of reverts back to his old personality and be like you know kind of like Uncle again, but he's still got like all these muscles and maybe he's in armor or something. And then he just kind of bear hugs Zuko, but mm-hmm. I'm a little worried about that because like i really hope that iroh just kind of accepts him again i feel yeah. that i am not worried about iroh accepting zuko again it's so funny because this episode was so strong it really didn't need to have a ridiculous b plot to keep it interesting so it's so funny that we got this bonus almost like this like on top of having this completely awesome episode that was fine in and of itself we also get all this ridiculously awesome iroh stuff like just kind of mm-hmm. going on in the background i felt like i've been treated to a special thing <laughs> mm-hmm little sneak peek of what's to come. God. We've seen so little of Iroh this season, though. I know. That makes me sad. I love Iroh so much. Also, Ty Lee. That's upsetting. Yeah, yeah. Ty Lee's... Yeah. I'm very ambivalent about Ty Lee. Oh? Like, she, like, yeah, I, actually. I, like, I like seeing her and Azula have ridiculous amounts of hot lesbian subtext. Like, that's, that's all I like about her, pretty much. Oh, well, that'll be interesting, you know, next episode, because Ty Lee's Yeah. <laughs> I, I would like to explore the, these ideas further with you. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the episode at hand. Yes, how yes, the episode at hand. Okay. okay. I won't lie, guys. Okay, although Iroh, that remind, I'm sorry, Ross, finish your thought. Well, you finish your thought first. I was just going to say that Iroh reminds me that like the thing that I'm actually most excited about in this episode in the long run is the Order of the White Lotus. <laughs> <laughs> I was just yes. about to say that. That was my next talking point on my list. Yes. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, go ahead. And Iroh, and they're going to be teamed up and stuff. Oh my god, oh my god. It's going to be like the old guy A-team, and it's going to be the awesome thing ever. Oh, the awesome old guys. I love all the awesome old guys of Avatar, except for that one guy. 
what we talked about last episode. <laughs> so fucking ass. Oh my god, do you think Boomy's in the White Lotus? I hope Boomy's in the White Lotus. I want Sokka to just sh- hold up his White Lotus piece, walk into a room, and it's like all the fucking awesome old guys ever. Like Zhang Zhang's there. Boomy. Oh, Paku. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Paku. Sure. One day I will tell you guys the story of my love for Paku. Not, not right now, but someday. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe okay, someday we'll get, have so many episodes that we'll be having to have an episode about Paku. So we'll see. Sokka having that, that piece of the White Lotus, does that mean that he's a member now? Or is it just like you a sign really for want- other members of the White Lotus to like look at this guy? Uh, I feel it's like a password almost. Yeah. I feel like he's, he's not an initiate, though. Yeah. I mean, he has like an in, but he's probably not allowed into like he the has, secret stuff. Yeah, he has the password kind of pass card to get into the meeting to become an initiate where mm-hmm. you know like they slide that little window aside and peek at him through the door and he holds up the white lotus tile they will open the door yeah unlike yeah. zuko zuko had to just wait outside <laughs> and sniff a flower you know but he had he had no respect yeah, for the, he had no respect the for him. he was just being <laughs> so, oh my god sokka would love the idea of the white lotus sokka so <laughs> wants to be in a secret club he would right he would want there to be a password he likes secret and things the he'd want there to be a He's secret handshake <laughs> yeah <laughs> Or he'd try to make one up if there wasn't one. If there was no disappointment, if there was no secret handshake, he'd be very disappointed and insist that they make one up immediately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Hey, guys, 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 I'm sorry. I have a crazy Order of the White Lotus thing. Can I just get it out of my system? Yes, please, please, please do. Rawls has already heard this before. I apologize. I can't wait. <laughs> okay, so for thing one, I'm completely convinced that the Order of the White Lotus exists to basically set things in motion and arrange things such that the world is ready for the Avatar when he returns. Mm. That the entire point of the Order of the White Lotus is to be this unit of cooperation between the four nations, like in this covert kind of way. So they are setting, like creating the skeleton that is necessary so that when the Avatar comes back, things are kind of arranged such that it is possible for him to put the world back together again. Hmm. So that's part one of this, which I think is actually reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> my unreasonable half of this, which I know is not true, but I hold very dear to my heart, <laughs> is that Aang's friend, who he is always talking about, being yes, Kuzan, Kuzan. Kuzan, Kuzan, Kuzan. He's like head of it or something? Yeah, yeah, that when Aang disappeared, Kuzan and possibly Aang's other friends like Bumi, Mm -hmm. who he had also abandoned, got Mm -hmm. together, started the Order of the White Lotus. Oh shit, that's awesome. And they knew that he he will come back if he can. Like they Mm -hmm. had this faith in Aang that he had not actually abandoned him and that someday he's going to come back because that's the kind of guy he is. So that Kuzan and Bumi and whoever else got together and started the Order of the White Lotus. My dearest, dearest dream is that someday Kuzan will be an important character because I mysteriously love him for absolutely no reason. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> I how I see that my crazy order of the way. just theory. tells you everything you need to know about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Well, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. In fact, if that doesn't happen now, I'm going to be a little bit sad. So <laughs> I'm going to blame you for my sadness if that doesn't happen, Allie. Sorry, can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was awesome. That's awesome. He talks about Kuzan way too fucking much. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if, if Kuzan doesn't figure in somehow, it'll be like if Zhang Zhang doesn't come back now that they've mentioned him again. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, they even brought him up, had Toph be, who's that guy? No, wait, I'll find out if it's important. Like, right, like, exactly. That was popped that into the middle of the show. Clearly, right. he has back. And Aang has mentioned Kuzan no less than five times over the course of the show. Right. Yeah, he, he, like to talk yeah. about. I, I want him and Boomy and Kuzan to all hang out and give each other high fives. <laughs> <laughs> and then he accidentally breaks one of their wrists because they're so old. <laughs> and he's so young still. <laughs> it's like, the, in the immature universe, the older you get, the more badass you are, and then you die. 
yeah. You never peak and start going down the hill. Yeah, you just you get never progressively more awesome, and then you you're gone. Then, then you're dead. Yeah, Unless you're so okay. it's just because you wasted away in sadness. Yeah. <laughs> Until you're like 50. Avatar Kyoshi. How old was she? Like 350. She must have been yeah. really, really, really fucking awesome. But uh, one thing that I, I liked about the episode was uh, so- Sokka in a weapon store because I feel yeah. like it's uh, part, of him being aware, yeah, part of him being aware of the conventions again of yeah. like his like, surrounding. Right. So like he's just really excited about getting new stuff, like mm-hmm. getting that sort of extra plus one for attacking or like yeah. hacking. But mm-hmm. Sokka, Sokka's always like to shop. Yeah. Yes. I love Katara. She's like, I know it'll make you feel better. And he's like, <laughs> Like she knows yeah. him so well. Yeah. Gosh. Yes. Such, I also loved, gosh. however, Aang's ridiculous moment of armor wearing. Yeah. <laughs> And like suddenly momentarily being in a different show and having his explanation about the wing wind sword (laughs) it it almost killed me what's a wind sword it's where you take a sword handle and just swing it around that made me feel like super extra nerdy because i was like piecing together like the sources of his ridiculous armor and i thought it was just soul caliber really well, the wind sword was Soul Calibur, but like the armor, I was like, this is very, very World of Warcrafty, especially mm-hmm. how mismatched it was. Because, well, yeah, anybody who ever played World of Warcraft knows that you will run around and your armor will not match. But let me be slightly less nerdy right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I remember my thing. My thing that I wanted to talk about was Toph and her great hardings of Sokka. Yes. Oh, yeah. Her mm-hmm. hardings are so great. Well. Like there's so there's so much it's there was like a ridiculous amount of interaction for them in this episode like the I miss Sokka the blush and then he gives her the bracelet well he yeah, just gives her the rock but she wears it around like an arm bracelet for God knows how long yeah. because she loves him so she much I, I kind of involuntarily found myself like shipping uh, Taka because of this episode because usually but really I guess I'm more like I accept that Sokka and every woman ever is like. It's just a match heaven or something. A potential I OTP, I guess. Yeah, Sokka has a Sokka crush everyone. on every girl. Although, you know, I gotta say that this episode made me a little bit less worried about... I'd always been worried, because I loved off Sokka as a ship. Like, I have a lot of affection for it. And mm-hmm. I've always been worried that it's just going to remain sort of this background thing that never really gets talked about and never gets right. directly addressed. But the, how overt it was in this episode, mm-hmm. you wonder if they're mm-hmm. at least going to deal with that in the text right. of the show at some point. Because they're kind of pushing it far enough that it would be a little weird if they never actually say anything about it. It, it was, um, You want to know my deepest wish for some deep talk deep. in the future? Okay, here's the thing. I mean, obviously Suki's going to come back in the picture at some point. Right. They said her VA was going to be in some episode. She's probably going to be traveling with the gang for a while. And I want to see Toph sitting alone, looking down at the bracelet and playing with it and like brooding. And I don't know why. I love Toph and I want her to be happy. And I'm really I'm so torn, you guys, about what I want to happen with Sokka as far as shipping goes. But I want to see her like look like upset and affected by it because in the Serpent's Past, she didn't really seem very affected by it. Well, she was was like a pain for crush, really. I think, well, that, that vision makes me so very, very sad right there, <laughs> I have to say. I, I think that she was affected in Serpent's Pass in her way, which is, you know, she was kind of harping on it. You know, she was harping on it and making right. comments about it, and that's just kind of, that's tough, you know. And right. I feel like that's her being affected in her way. But, you know, I do right. sitting sadly. Well, she needs, to, she needs to talk about it with Sokka. I, I'd love to see her, like, put it out there, you know, My and I, I just don't you. see her being driven to do that the way she is now, like, holding it in and not admitting it to herself and stuff so mm-hmm. and I guess that's just my really sad little twisted tragic I, it didn't sound that tragic in my head it sounded really cute in my head <laughs> it's so 
sounded so I want Toph to be to be very sad and playing with the jewelry. That's the one that she like gave her that will never ever love. I want to see her like showing some vulnerability and like actually being affected by Suki being back because I want them to be something to her interaction with Sokka like that's related to his interaction with Suki. I think that this is a really good example of my general feeling like I am completely fine with tormenting fictional characters. I enjoy doing this myself, but I feel like I don't really want to have a lot of lingering on Toph and her misery in regards to Sokka unless that is ultimately going to pay off for her in a positive way. If it's just Mm going to be Suki, I might want like a little moment of Toph either acknowledging this or maybe saying something to Sokka or saying something to Suki or even just like a shot of her clearly sort of being like, okay, you know what? I can't do anything about this. I am now moving on or something like a little moment like that. But mm-hmm. I don't want to see her sitting around mooning over Sokka anymore if that's not going to go anywhere. Like, we've already had enough of that. And it's mm-hmm. already been very cute and positive. We really haven't had any of Toph sitting around being sad. We just had her sit around being, like, either kind of embarrassed or blushing or, like, mm-hmm. holding on to gratuitously on top of Appa's mm-hmm. back. But we haven't had her sitting around being sad about it. And I don't want to see that unless it's a prelude to some kind of payoff. Yeah, we haven't had soul crushing. Yeah, well, I don't want soul crushing. I just wanted there to be some pathos, you know, because her crush on him is been so about comedy romantic comedy side bit you know and I want there to be more substance to it basically and I don't want her to have a sad ending by any means I love her so much but just you know some pathos some like actual substance to their relationship with each other is what I've always longed for well I think that like romantic comedy stuff might be like entire reasons for its existence so I'm not sure if we're going to get anything more meaty. Mm. It's hard to say. Well, the thing is, like, Anga de Katara is very obviously written into the very basic structure of the show. And I think Meizuko, to a slightly less extent, is written into the structure of the show. Like, clearly, the way that the relationship plays out was part of their plotting of this entire arc. Like, his personal arc is very much dependent on what is going on with May and what's going on with his sister and what's going on with his dad and all this other stuff. Like, all of his relationships are very important to the decisions that he makes, and he is a really important character to, like, the plot of the show. Like, mm-hmm. the plot plot. Like, the defeating the Fire Lord plot. But, but you're like, not really sure where Sokka's gonna land, well, that's the right? thing. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. Sokka's relationships are much more organic in the way that they developed. Like, they clearly, the writers saw something and thought it was interesting and went with it, which I think is great, but it means that it's very hard because it's not as structural it's not as like part of the skeleton of the show to kind of predict where that's going to go. It much more depends on the writers and how good they are at romance and how much they care and how much time they left themselves to deal with things. Sure. Well, I like this kind of, I'm in the happy position to, of being, I think that I'll be satisfied no matter what way it turns out. I don't think that they'll like, humble this. Yeah, as long as nobody is, like, heart, soul, crushingly destroyed or anything, I'll be fine. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm more worried they'll just drop it than I am worried they'll handle it badly. Yeah. I really like the whole thing about the sword being made out of a meteorite. I just love swords made out of meteorites, and I don't know why. Are there other swords made out of meteorites? Because they're cool. That's That's the thing. 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 And I was like, that's a pretty sword. It's pretty. It's a black and shiny. (laughs) I'm so not about the technicalities of the weaponry. Fine, sweetie. <laughs> just I'm just like shiny. His yeah. sword can cut through other swords. It's that's awesome. Yes, other metal and shit. That's awesome. The only other thing I have to say about Toph in this episode is that I think that it's weird how I always think of Toph as being very funny. And I think this episode really showed me how much her humor is very reactive in a way that I hadn't really thought about previously. So mm-hmm. much of what makes Toph funny is when she's playing off of other people. And because Sokka isn't there, mm-hmm. she's just there's nothing to work with. <laughs> Yeah. Because Ank and Katara are just mooning around uselessly. Right. Yeah. They're being noodle brains, like Toph said. They're yeah. being noodle brains. I love her clean cut cursing. <laughs> She's so cute. 
you dunderheads, you noodle brains. And but it doesn't sound lame. Like she's so awesome that she could say whatever lame comeback she wants, and it's amazing. Well, everybody like missing Sokka. That kind of segues into like like why Sokka's awesome. But I just love how they all just kind of love him, and like he's kind of like like he holds them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He just entertains them. What's great is that the group is. I mean, there's no central glue to the group. Anyone could say Aang holds the group together, Katara holds the group together. It's like there's such a unit of four now that when one of them isn't there, it's like it wouldn't function right. I don't think. Yeah, they all very reliant on each other and the yeah. roles that they there's nobody who's extraneous in that group mm-hmm. yeah oh the gang okay. the gang i guess we now have should probably start actually talking about Sokka. i guess we've yes because we saved it all yes saved it oh all god Sokka. Okay. For one thing, I was actually, when I was going back over the transcript for this episode before we started recording, I'm really irritated. I'd forgotten. I'm actually very, very irritated with that whole conversation that they have when they're sitting in the restaurant early in the episode. Yes. And Sokka's like, oh, I suck. You guys are all so awesome. And then they like come up with these really lame <laughs> why Sokka is, is not lame. You're like, you're, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're funny and like, I don't even remember, like stupid. You can read a map. I can't even read. Yeah. I can't even read. You guys can't think of anything else you need him for? No? Nothing? Mostly just made me want to punch them all in the head. Like, you guys have no idea how awesome Sokka is. I don't know. They just don't realize what he does for the group. Because, like, he does it so well that they don't have to worry about it. They're like, we can come back after a long day of saving the world and you can make us laugh with your silly little jokes. Silly joke man. And, yeah. Yeah, Sokka is not just the meat and sarcasm guy. Sokka is Mm -hmm. the plan guy. Sokka is the schedule guy. He's the practical guy. He's the realism Mm -hmm. guy. He's the, like, being able to solve problems that are not just solvable by throwing mm-hmm. things at other people. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he designed fucking submarines. Hello? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he yeah, had not done that. Yeah, he came up with the idea, which is, like, he didn't design them. He came the up with the schematics were kind of childish, but it was his idea. Yeah. No, look, that's the thing, though. See, like, yeah. the quantum leap in thinking that you can make a boat that could travel underwater, that's impressive. But he didn't actually, mm-hmm. you know, design it. He's visionary. Because so, yeah, I felt like the characters weirdly became a mouthpiece for the thing that fandom says that also irritates me. The whole, like, this is the episode in which Sokka became awesome. I'm like, no, 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 no. Sokka was awesome before this episode. Now he's just awesome with a sword. <laughs> right. <laughs> now he can awesome with a boomerang and a sword. So yeah. it's just a different variety of awesomeness. Versatility that just makes him more awesome, perhaps, than he was previously. Yeah. I like the fact that he got a sword. Like, I don't think, like, the sword makes him more awesome, but I kind of disliked that there was a little bit of backlash against the sword, I feel like. There were, like, people are kind of complaining that, like, the sword kind of supplants all of his previous abilities. But I just think that it's another tool that he can use. But he used right. the boomerang to kill Sparky Sparky Boom Man. Yeah, that's what I'm right. talking about. He's, He's not going to, like, ignore everything else that he has. And I hate how people say that him killing Sparky Sparky Boom Man was, like, luck. They're like, oh, it was luck. It's like, um, he Dude, calculated the trajectory, you asshole. Oh yeah. He saw the line of his little head explosion thingy, and he calculated the... Did, oh, like, man. Calculate yeah, he, like, mentioned it out with head. his arm. It was so amazing. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he might not have realized what would happen. But he knew he that might, he could hit him in the head. Yeah. He was, I'm sure he was clearly aiming for Sparky Sparky Boom Man's head. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he hit it in the exact way that he did and had the exact effect that it did was luck. Right, because he turned at the right moment to see what was coming. And yeah, if Sparky hadn't turned his head, it wouldn't have hit him in the right place. But still. Like, I'm not entirely certain that Sokka would have had it into him to actually kill Sparky Sparky Boom Man, but, you know, he was trying to, like, get rid of a prop. So so he might not, he didn't, like, want to blow him up, but it's kind of good that he did. Hey, it happened, Mm -hmm. so, you know. 
Mm-hmm. He's not gonna they never would have beat him otherwise. So no, and I think that that was a perfect example of how Sokka is not going to fundamentally change just because he you now has some more weapons options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, like how Aang's basically like a superhero now. Like, I mean, they all are, but like I think it's really amazing that like Aang had this really big fight with Sparky Sparky Boom Man, but it was Sokka who took him out. Yeah. Right. Yes. Also, you know, the thing is, speaking of superheroes, I mean, a thing that people don't really say that much about Sokka, but is really, really, really important to his character, especially earlier in the show before he even was necessarily completely that great at just fighting in general like uh, this is obviously something that he hadn't previously had to do and they none of them had and they were all kind of trying to figure out how to be the kinds of people who can kick other people's ass on a regular basis mm-hmm. and like Sokka is not a bender and he's repeatedly up against benders he's repeatedly like fighting people who have these ridiculous magic powers mm-hmm. and he never is seems particularly scared mm-hmm. and he's never particularly hesitant he's just like I have a thing that I need to do and I'm going to do it and then he does it's- it why he's awesome yeah it's he just does it right he just goes and he and he does it and he figures out a way to hold his own and it's really kind of amazing mm-hmm. that he just continually bangs his head against that wall mm-hmm. of trying to fight people who have magical superpowers and he actually manages to hold his own yeah I, what i find amazing about him is the fact that how many times he consistently manages to block throwing projectiles that are basically <laughs> aiming to like kill him with extreme yeah. prejudice with just like a swipe of like a club or something like that mm-hmm. that is godlike hand eye coordination <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. He's kind of godlike in his own way. I mean, let's be honest. Also ambidextrous. There's like evidence mm. for that. Oh, Sokka. Sokka. I feel yeah. I feel very quiet right now, but I feel like my love for Sokka is so massive and yet so completely inarticulate. Like just I can never well, really say to... anything but Sokka. Well, mm-hmm. he's just so charming. Yeah. Like effortlessly charming. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of, of all the people in Avatar, he's the guy you actually want to date. Yes. <laughs> you know? Like, you know, you think, oh, I totally mm-hmm. want to date Zuko, but like, you know, we are not all May. Yeah. It's like if you met a guy like him in real life, would you seriously want him? Seriously. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. But no, Sokka, Sokka would treat you well. He would take Mm -hmm. you to a nice dinner. He would, Mm -hmm. you know, bring you flowers and he Mm -hmm. would make you laugh. Mm -hmm. And he would be intimidated by you if you made him laugh. Yeah, he's like the boy next door kind of thing. Like the the best friend you could see being like his best friend and his girlfriend. He's kind of like, I know this is going to make me sound really lame, but he's like the Ron Stoppable of the (laughs) show. (laughs) Except way more awesome than Ron Stoppable. Way so much more awesome. But Mm -hmm. oh my God, oh my God, you just reminded me. Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't really ask for a lot from Avatar. Like, I am usually content to sit back and be like, Avatar, take me where you're going to go. I am here for this ride and I will stick with you no matter what you do. But there is nothing that I want more for the remainder of season three than Saka Zuko BFFs forever. Yes! I just, I threw my hands up in the air. You can't see what? Aang is not his BFF. Aang is his brother. Yes. Aang, yeah. And Sokka is Aang's brother, too. They're like, they're they're both really, really close to Aang that way. It's like family. You have to accept family, but friends Mm -hmm. are, you know. Yeah, and all Mm -hmm. I want is for Sokka and Zuko to sit around, bitching each other out, and having adventures, (laughs) and comparing girlfriends. Zuko not getting them, and Sokka thinking that's really funny, and and talking about guy shit, and how hot their girlfriends are and that's really all I want mm-hmm. yeah. and see I used to be kind of like vaguely ambivalent about this whole thing yeah. and then like sat around and did we talk about it for too long well yeah I sat around and listened to you talk about it and then there was a time that we sat in my room and wrote a fic about it yeah 
So that oh, I love that fact. <laughs> That's what made me love the idea of those best friends because I've always been like, I've been like, oh, it's Aang, it's Aang and Sokka, and you know, Zuko. I don't want Zuko to be as close to either of them, and I've always been kind of obnoxious about that. But then I read you guys as fic, and it just totally changed my mindset. And I, I want the three of them to be like a little little yeah, man unit, you little men only man unit. already have their like best friends for everything going on, so I think that Sokka is really going to like segue into it, and they're going to be the boys, you know. Do you know what the thing is? Awesome. They're gonna the be- thing is, Sokka and Zuko have both never had any guy friends their own age. I mean, Zuko's never had any friends, period. Sokka, <laughs> yeah. like, all the men of his tribe, one much older than him, then went off to war anyway, and then his sister and a bunch of little kids and, like, old ladies and moms. Mm-hmm. Like, he has never had any friends his own age. And I think that he thinks, like, Teo and Haru are, like, okay and everything, mm-hmm. but they clearly have their own thing where they're hanging out all the time, and they sort of have their own unit that they formed, and I don't really think Sokka feels like he has a lot to say to them anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that he thinks the crew is kind of ridiculous and <laughs> his sister him and his hot. mustache thinking he's so hot. Yeah. He's probably like, I know. I think he's so much hotter than Zuko. me. I just want Zuko and Sokka to sit around making fun of Haru's mustache even though it's <laughs> extremely unlikely. <laughs> it's not that unlikely. I, I, maybe I'm just... I love it. Dave Blackson when Sokka mentions Haru's mustache in his little rambly speech. And now he has a mustache. And if you look in the front row, you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, I either want them to make fun of it or I want them to be really envious of it. I want them <laughs> like, to make fun of it because they're really envious Okay, if people... I have... <laughs> I, I may have been dared at one point to, like, write fic that features them being envious of Haru's mustache. That's mm-hmm. great. Perhaps because their girlfriends may have expressed a certain amount of admiration. <laughs> That's true. Girl, I mean, the Fire Nation is all about facial hair. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. I think it's more likely that Katara is going to make Aang yes. jealous of her. Aang, Aang was also involved in this in this bitterness over Haru's mustache. And I want to read that fic. Maybe it'll exist someday. Okay. And see, okay. So here's the other thing about Zuko and Sokka, which I hadn't realized actually till the other day when I was working on a fic about them. I love how the first time they met, the very first time they met, Zuko kicked him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the first interaction they ever had. And then Sokka right after that, like, Sokka hit him in the head with a boomerang. So it's like kind of a yes. beautiful, like knocking down each other off the peg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the so brotherhood I, of brain damage, I guess. <laughs> I that was a way to start a friendship. Mm-hmm. Somebody actually first well, breaking their, you know, fancy spear into uh, mini peas and then kicking them in the head. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, guys, like they punch each other in the face and then they're best friends. And I feel both. like Sokka's hazing of Zuko, like it's despite uh, yeah. it, like the prelude <laughs> to friendship, because I think. Sock is very much, you know, just like you're in the group now. You, you'll get a, a little bit of it like was, a ribbon, it, but now you're in. It made me so happy. It was like everything that I wanted. <laughs> I was so excited. When, How are you like, jerks doing like, with jerk bending? <laughs> like, I even think the jerk bending thing was that funny at first. I, I, I think, think it's funny it's, that Sokka thought it was funny. Yes, exactly. I was just about to say yes. I think it's hilarious, and that Sokka clearly is like mm-hmm. so taken with that. He's just kind of like, oh, the cleverness of me, you know. It's right. <laughs> He's very impressed with himself, and I think it's, that, it's like when he said long fang is long gone yeah it's like one of those horrible jokes that he makes but then he laughs and he thinks he's the funniest person ever and it's like how long have you been waiting to say jerk benders to them you know he thought of it all day long i just like the idea of him always calling zuko jerk (laughs) like having that just be his name (laughs) hey jerk what's going Zuko be like that's my name so i could be like well you never say my name so i don't feel the need to (laughs) really really like Sokka banging him in the head with the hilt of his sword (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Zuko's sitting there and being like, I understand that other people do things like this because I kind of vaguely understand human interaction enough to know that this is something that they call teasing. 
supposed to be a good thing, but motherfucker, stop it! <laughs> the best, the best thing about him poking with the sword was the laugh he was doing. That crazy ass little. He's like, ha, 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 ha. I was like, oh my god, Sokka, oh you crazy ass. <laughs> It's just so weird. Like, this is a guy that was throwing fire at him, like, just a few months back, and now all of a sudden he's just treating him like like a member of the group, you know? He, like, mm-hmm. where he feels comfortable th- enough to poke him with the sword. I think mm-hmm. that's the thing about Sokka. I think Sokka is, and I think Ali has said this before, Sokka is the kind of guy where once he decides you're okay, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Unlike Katara. Unlike Katara. <laughs> Katara, yeah. That's a different story. Katara's yeah. just spirited, you know? It's like, I, the whole thing where, like, she, like I, you kind of think that maybe it's going to be an actual problem, but she kind of just settles into being kind of passive aggressive to him and just kind of like like sniping at him all the time. It she's like. it's like it's funny how much she's gotten since she's settled on the burns. The hate makes her funny. His, his relationship with his sister is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have a very believable sibling relationship. I feel like uh, I, that's one of the points that I wanted to make for the whole Sokka discussion is that uh, I think that Sokka has like some of the most interesting interactions with just like every character. Like, no character in Avatar really exists in a vacuum, but I feel mm-hmm. like Sokka has the most interesting interactions with everyone because like he's Aang's brother. He's going to be Zuko's friend. He's uh, Katara's sister. He's kind of got buddy. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> siblings, siblings. Sibling, yeah. Sorry. And Toph's his Toph's his wingman kind of. Yeah. They they have the sarcastic banter going on. I think like other characters might have like their interactions might be a little bit more limited in fact, like cause Aang's kinda got well, he's got Sokka and Katara and he now Zuko, but I feel he's he maybe a little bit distant from Toph. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, they have they have issues. But I think that Sokka is very aware of Katara's flaws in a way that nobody else really is. Mm-hmm. Like he clearly just accepts that there are certain things about the way his sister is. Like, that whole conversation he has with Toph. In the runaway, um, yeah. It's very much he about him. Like, look, he under- he's like, I know my sister's crazy, but she means well, and mm-hmm. she wouldn't be doing this if she didn't care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just, the best way to deal with it, and I will now explain to you the way that you can deal with her being crazy. Because uh, I, you know, I understand. Trust me. And But he's very practical about his sister. Yeah, but I he clearly he, loves her. He, I think it's, in, like, uh, cool that he actually kind of understands the psychological underpinnings of, like, Katara's issues, you know? Like, mm-hmm. trying to be everyone's mom and stuff like like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think also you get a sense then that I think that it's very easy to think that Sokka is very lackadaisical and doesn't care about things. But that conversation with Toph where he talks about his mom, which he almost never does. Mm-hmm. Katara's always like, blah, 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 my dead mom. But no, like, Sokka <laughs> never talks about her mom. Like he, I feel, doesn't think it's necessary most of the time. But he clearly is thinking about it. And I think that it's that moment and then, you know, get way ahead of ourselves in Day of Black Sun when Azula is taunting him about Suki. Then you, un- you finally realize that for this entire time that they've been apart for like the whole season so far since he's found out that Suki has been you know something horrible happened to her that he's been thinking about that and worrying about it and fixating on it he just hasn't said anything because he didn't think there was any point in it clearly but like, all crazy this planning is uh, like a result of him trying to kind of like like distance himself from those kind of thoughts yeah. like mm-hmm. his whole obsessive planning like oh we gotta do this and this and this and this yeah. and this and it's very different from Aang who you feel like kind of puts things in a box but in a much more sort of like I can't do anything about it so I'm not going to worry about it I will just move mm-hmm. on Sokka is like, much more like I, thinking 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 like he's got like eight different rescue plans going on in his head right now and right. he might not be saying anything about it but he's thinking about it and he's obsessing about it and he's driving himself crazy he just doesn't say anything because he didn't think there's any point like in talking about it but mm-hmm. it was this really interesting insight into like his internal life which I think on is a lot light, more intense on a, on a bit of a lighter note does he, do you think he might like be coming up with like one liners that he could maybe say this Suki, like when he rescues her or something like that. Oh, of course. Something like, romantic. 
something to woo her? Because because she gave up hope on him, so he right. has to think of some way to have himself get back into her good graces. I don't know. I can't think of a clever way to say that. Yeah. yeah. And you reminded me, Ali, something I wanted to say about Sokka is just his emotional range as a character is more extensive than any other character because it's believable somehow for him to go one minute being the comic relief to the next minute crying and being, you know, breaking your heart completely. Like Day of Black Sun, it was just like an emotional roller coaster with him being like all serious and then saying something funny about Toph. And that's what I love most about him. He might not be the best developed and maybe that's why it's so easy for us to accept him going from one end of the emotional spectrum to the next. But it's just, I love that about him. I disagree that he isn't the best developed. I think he's a very well-developed character. Oh, he's well-developed. He's just not as developed as, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that we just spend less time because he's a little less high maintenance than some of the other characters. Yeah, he he deals with his own crap, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't think he feels like it would be bad of him to kind of like saddle other people with his issues. And I I think he realizes other people have bigger problems than he does right now. Right. I think he probably like makes a lot of their meals or something like that or like (laughs) I just I get that feeling from him, you know, like he's just kind of like taking care of everybody. Well, I think that he does so in a non-overt way. Like Katara wants you to know. Yeah. <laughs> she's spooning work. everyone's rice into bowls for them because apparently they can't get it themselves. And, yeah, she's... And, and I'm sure that she wants you to acknowledge the fact that she is making the sacrifice of spooning rice into yes. your bowl. Whereas I think you have Sokka to acknowledge that she's the matriarch. Up. Yeah. Sokka doesn't make a big deal about his contributions in the same way. Mm-hmm. Unless he's making a joke about it. Yeah. Sokka just silently takes care of things. And then every mm-hmm. once in a while when there's a problem, he will bring it to your attention. Then he will go back to just sort of in the background, orchestrating everything without really making you aware of the fact that he's doing so. You know, like something that I like about Sokka, though, is his pragmatism and his realness. Like, and also kind of like the fact that he's like a scientist, basically. Yeah. I think that's real. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. It also kind of it actually colors my perceptions of the show itself because I kind of view things from Sokka's perspective. Mm-hmm. So even though the fact is that like you kind of know that, you know, spirits are can be a physical presence in this world. It's like I kind of just accept every like try to see everything as logical as possible, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, he's like, great. There's spirits. How does this affect me? <laughs> Yeah, that's just... Smart enough to fool you. Yeah, he tries to rationalize it. Like like UA in the swamp, he's like, yeah, I'm just hungry and, you know, we're all tired. And he doesn't like to accept a lot of the mystical things because it does go against his scientific sensibilities. But but he is aware. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't count. That's Avatar stuff. Last thoughts on Sokka. He's totally awesome. And I, once again, wish... I hope that we get to see the beard at least one more time before the end of the show. Oh, Sokka beard. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Hmm. Will he show the beard to Suki? And if so, yes. will she be pro or anti beard? <laughs> She'd be pro beard. that deciding point in their relationship? Suki, Suki you... must be pro beard. She, she will I, I be understanding. Say, I gotta say, I thought there'd be at least one Fire Nation girl besides Tylee that would fangirl him because he's notorious for being the guy who has hose in different area codes, basically. Well, I think as Rawls put it once. Yes, I did. Uh, I, I believe our conclusion, Sokka is awesome. Sokka is mm-hmm. awesome. Sokka's awesome. Okay. I believe it is now time we, we have more recs. All right. So my rec is Psyche's Contemplation by a, I gotta say, I can never figure out how to pronounce this girl's name. It's E-T-R-A-N-G-E-R-E and Treg. 
Guerrer or something. She's French and I can't pronounce French. I apologize. But her writing journal is Le Maire Ali. And anyway, her fic is called Psyche's Contemplation. There will be a link in the show notes. And it is a very short fic. It is only 510 words and it is about Azula and Zuko. And the main reason I find this fic really interesting is because it's from Azula's perspective and it's essentially just her observing her brother and thinking about the ways in which he is not the older brother that she wishes she had had. And she's sort of looking at him and thinking about how soft he is and how malleable he is and she wishes that he were hard and sharp and cutting and, you know, like the way that a fire lord is supposed to be, the way that somebody who's one day going to rule a nation is supposed to be. And just sort of her kind of dis- the nature of her disdain, which I found interesting. And that was basically what that fig, I mean, that's basically all that fig is, is sort of a brief little thing about the nature of her disdain for her brother. And I think it was interesting because I, I had sort of always thought that that was kind of the way that she had thought about him. I liked the way in which this particular fig articulates it. And that is basically all I have to say because it it was only 500 words long. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was looking around for stuff to wreck and I got distracted by Project Playlist and I decided to look up the track team and I saw this mp3 that had a source from this site called SokkaGetsNoRespect.com and I'd never heard of it before. <laughs> oh my god. And I'd never right heard now. of it before so so I went there and uh, I figured since, you know, this week's the Sock episode would be really relevant. Has anybody else ever heard of this? Any of you guys? No, I've never no, heard of this. I'm interested. Me, me neither. Uh, so it turns out it, it's a really small site. It seems like it doesn't really get a lot of attention or update a lot, but it has some really cool media stuff there. It has a whole bunch, like like a shitload of MP3s, usually related to like Sokka soundbite conversations that Sokka has with other people. But there's a couple of like the music and there's a whole bunch of GIF animations. There's a lot of episodes that are missing for GIFs, but there's a ton and they have different sizes for all of the ones that they have. And it's a really good media resource, incomplete. And, you know, it obviously doesn't have a lot of participation going on there. But if you're looking for some media, you might want to check out SokkaGetsNoRespect.com. My God, and it has a section called Sokka's Girls. Yes, I was just looking at it. <laughs> yes, wow. yeah. Where I love how I love yeah. how not only did they list things like first appearance and last appearance, but also romantic, strong, passing attraction, one-sided <laughs> infatuation. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, it was amusing. Wow. And there's like an FAQ where they talk about, you know, what's the show about? Why is Sokka awesome? Why he needs more respect? And yeah, it's pretty cute. Um, the soundbite only go up to like mid-season two, I think, but like there's there's a ton of really cool stuff there. So it's really yep. cute. Very nice. Mm-hmm. And Good find. And next, yeah. I suggest uh, Swan to Swan's video that he has up on live video called Avatar Scrubs that uses clips of Avatar to audio of the television program Scrubs to humorous effect. <laughs> okay, that sounded really dry, but it's really hilarious. I think it's very funny. <laughs> No, it is. It really is. Yeah, Especially if you've seen Scrubs. If you haven't seen Scrubs, probably not so much. But I, well, I, I have. I've never seen Scrubs. I don't really know anything about Scrubs. I watched it. I felt like I didn't get all of it, but it, it was funny still in various mm-hmm. points. In various points, but yeah, it probably is more funny if you actually know anything at all about Scrubs. Yes, but even mm-hmm. without yeah. really knowing Scrubs, it's sufficiently funny to keep you watching the entire thing. Yeah, basically. Right. More than it's true of many fan videos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It did. I watched the whole thing. Like, it didn't make me laugh out loud the way that the one that brilliantly green did that fired this the magic dance one but right. it's really hard to dance one yeah that yeah. one was yeah it's really hard to beat that one but yeah i agree this one's pretty funny even for persons who know nothing about scrubs yeah, i approve mm-hmm. of anything that portrays katara as being kind of scary and crazy <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yes, her as the janitor. I was not expecting her as the janitor, and that I I chortled when I saw that happen because unexpected but pretty brilliant match there. I thought the lip syncing, especially in that part, was really really well done. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. very cool. Definitely, everyone should check that out. My rec for this week is I want to rec fan fiction of Praise of Shadows on uh, Live Journal. She appeared not too long ago in fandom, and I was very, very excited because she writes a lot of, it's pretty short fic, but it's all basically about Zuko and Mei, and what I really like about her fic, and the reason that it kind of draws me, is that she writes a lot of just little moments from Zuko's life, and it'll be things that you sort of thought about, but I guess for me at least, they're always sort of just little things that kind of never, maybe you didn't emotionally kind of really hone in on exactly what this must have been like for Zuko, you know, in this particular moment. And she captures a lot of little moments like that. And she has a couple of about, like, you know, Zuko's situation with his father and, you know, how plays on the whole the whole thing to go and say, lucky to be born. And she has a whole bunch like that and just about Ozai sort of having no use for Zuko and what might be the cause of that, how Ozai might have approached Zuko from a very, very early age. And she has a lot about Zuko and Iroh. And she also touches on, like, Iroh's kind of decline after Luten dies and she touched on a lot of really interesting things she has and the ones I want to particularly recommend is that for her fix about Zuko is that she wrote this one called Life in Ba Sing Se which just it completely blew me away and it's just like this this little fic and it is like this singular just sort of moment from Zuko and Ba Sing Se and when he's working in the tea shop and how he sees his life just sort of shrinking down to this and just so it captures the despair that I think that was so important to his character especially in season two so well that it just kind of blew me away and so much that I have to like read like part of the first line to you and it, it goes it's hot and somewhere there was a boy called Lee who serves the coolies and the rickshaw drivers cold beer and even colder tea chasers in the stuffy little tea shop that smells of sweat and sun and dirt and it's just really really great i really love that she also writes fix about like may and just from her point of view too and she has a series of drabbles called i'm your country that are zuko may drabbles and it's all these little moments from you know their lives and sort of speculations about their relationship they're all really 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 good and so i highly highly recommend those Hooray. <laughs> i have read some of her fix and i agree that they are quite good i don't think i, I ever have i'm really looking forward to it though yeah i think i, I read that one with the began with the zuko serving tea to rickshaw drivers and coolies it was like sad it was like really sad. Well, yeah, that's the point. It's, oh, I guess I'm a. I, I have been called a black hood of despair, but <laughs> I love it because I really do feel like he was. This is what I feel like that is like so where he was. Like that was so far from what he wanted his life to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like Iro could have that kind of life. And he could find something of worth there, but Zuko yeah. just could never do yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I always love Zuko AUs. That, I mean, I love bossing AUs of all kinds. I find them very interesting, and I. But I feel like they all hinge on this idea that he was at this very, very bad place. And the only question was, where was he going to go from there? But he was going to have to go someplace. And whether that place was joining up with Jin, who was secretly a Dai Li agent and <laughs> trying to free the Earth King, or if that place, you know, becoming a freedom fighter with, like, Smellerby and Longshot to avenge the death of their leader, or, like, what other crazy thing you want to do. But he has to do something, because there's no way he's going to be happy being a tea shop waiter for the rest yeah. of his life. Mm-hmm. And also, I should also mention my favorite one that she wrote about May was called Sincerity, and it was about May commissioning the painting in her room of hers. Oh, that's cute. Oh that's my so god, I want to read that. Oh. It's so it's, it's, it's so darling, it's so great, and it's just, and you know, you're like, it's cute, but at the same time, it's really, really 
into May's head and just kind of, there's a certain sort of, I guess, a dryness, a certain cynicism about it that just kind of, just kind of the essence of May. It's just, it's really great. I really love that. Like the fact that she wants a picture of her and Zuko is kind of fluffy, but how the way she goes about getting it, it's like kind of May. Oh, it's, it's so short that I can't really say anything about it without giving it all away, but it's just really, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in conclusion, I think to all of this talking about Rex and things that are awesome, I would just like to say that, and I think I said this last week and I say this again, I highly encourage those of you who are listening to this, if you go and read any of these fics or watch these videos or do any of this thing, please, 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 please leave reviews, yeah. leave mm-hmm. feedback. This is a fandom is really, really, really bad about feedback. I mean, I come from mm-hmm. Harry Potter fandom, which had a really great review culture. Say what you wish about Harry Potter fandom, but people left reviews. And it's mm-hmm. been very sad for me to come into avatar fandom where there's some really great fic and really great art and great videos and mm-hmm. people almost never comment it's almost impossible right. to know who's reading your stuff because nobody ever says anything even if all you say is lol that was great that's better than not saying anything right i know at least three people in this fandom who do amazing work and like but they don't get a lot of comments and they get discouraged and they think that they're doing something wrong or they're somehow less awesome than they are and you know so if you like them enough that you want to keep seeing stuff from them you know let them know you know encourage them you don't have to say Seriously. anything smart and witty and great just even mm-hmm. just that was great and i enjoyed it is better than not saying anything yes mm-hmm. so hooray that's all i have to say <laughs> cool and that's a very important public service reminder very, very very and yeah uh, i think the last sort of bit of business is uh the deadline for our contest mm-hmm. um, we are gonna have to extend that because it was mentioned in the show notes the last episode that it, it took us a little longer than we expected to get the first <laughs> episode up and so the deadline ended up being like two days after that. And so yeah. we're going to extend this deadline to the 25th of April. Uh, that's a Friday. And so uh, keep those, keep those uh, drivels coming in. We mm-hmm. have gotten, we gotten some entries. We're, mm-hmm. we're looking forward to more. Yep. Keep it coming, guys. Right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think that's about it. Great. Everybody want to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, guys. Thanks Bye. for listening. Bye. 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 Fandom. Nice talking to you. <laughs> 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 totally. <laughs>